no. Um, <laughs> you, you have to know and be specific about what your area of expertise is. Why do you want to do this? Are you writing articles for publication because somebody told you you should write articles for publication? Because that's the worst reason in the world to do anything for your business. Um, you know, it's right. sort of like, it's sort of like when Clubhouse came out and everybody was like, oh, I have to be on Clubhouse. Like that lasted a hot second. I don't even know <laughs> if it's really a thing anymore. So thinking about why it is that you want to do this, what you want to accomplish, what your goals are, um, having, having expertise enough so that you've got the receipts. You can't just say I'm an expert. There, there's a lot in the online business world that's sort of like, you just have to be one chapter ahead of your people. No, <laughs> like not if you're going to be writing about it. I Welcome to the Business Ownership Podcast, brought to you by Awareness Strategies, helping you navigate the waters between entrepreneurship and ownership. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I'm super glad that you're here with us today because I'm here with my most amazing guest, Erica. Erica, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, I am so delighted to be here, Michelle, even though it's the middle of a heat wave and I have a big old sweaty head. Excellent. <laughs> Clearly, this was not recorded in December. <laughs> we can cut that part out if necessary. <laughs> hey, you look fabulous. It's all that matters. It's all that even despite the heat wave. Awesome. So give everybody the 5,000 foot view of who you are and what you love to do. Yeah. So, you know, I always get jammed up with the question, who are you? Because I think in too many different directions. Well, but let's start with first name, last name. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, that is a good place to start, isn't it? Um, who is this it woman? It may not be accurate, but at least it's a start. <laughs> <laughs> so my name is Erica Holtals and I am the founder of Catchline Communications. And basically through my work, I help Experts, primarily consultants and business coaches, learn how to write articles for high visibility publications like Inc., Entrepreneur, and Fast Company. Awesome. We yeah. love that. And I'm fascinated yeah, by that. It's so whole amazing. World, right? <laughs> I will be asking you a billion questions. But before I get into it, how did you get into publications as a thing? Yeah. So, publications as a thing, it goes, it goes way back. I've now been a freelance writer and editor for about 15 years, um, but I fell into it quite accidentally. Most of my career path has been one of those twisty, curvy, a couple of loop-de-loops thrown in there um, <laughs> just for fun. Right. And I I'm a recovering attorney, So, but I've always been, writing has always been the way that I process everything and anything. And research rabbit holes are my favorite places to be. It can sometimes be hard to extract me from those. Um, but I was at the time, I was working for a nonprofit organization and we did a major fundraising event called a decorator show house. And as part of that, because these interior designers were donating their time and talents to create this thing, we always had a week long media week before the house was open to the public. So I got to know a bunch of the different editors from these publications. And one of them asked, you know, oh, would you like to write an article for us? And I, I was kind of like looking around and me. Um, <laughs> and she was my first editor, an amazing mentor to me. She taught me everything that I, she taught me all of the ropes and actually got me my first editing job. So wow. how fun yeah. is that? Yeah, it was, it was. So was lot. it because she had read something that you had wrote or how did she, I, why did she approach you? Yeah, 
God, that's such a good question. And I don't know that I even <gasps> ever asked it. <laughs> I think some of it was just managing the whole thing and making sure, you know, there was that kind of communication that was happening. A lot of people like to say, oh, I'm not a writer, but you are. How many emails did you write today? Um, so that's, that's writing. So I don't know if it was through some of the marketing that I was doing for the organization, all of the marketing material is stuff that I had written. So I'm not really quite sure, except that we just struck up a good relationship. And I made sure both that she was getting what she needed from the designers, but also that the designers were getting what they needed. And, and you know, that was a juggle. So I, I think that was part of it. And it, it was basically a, we'll see how it goes. So my first assignment was, was a very short little snippet. It was like a 250 word little blurby piece um, before I got any of the real assignments. Nice. So it, is that true for the entire industry that it really comes down to relationships and kind of how you get along with people and how you're communicating with them? Or is it, is it really about, hey, that was a good technical piece and we will publish that? Yeah, you know, it really, it really runs the gamut. I mean, as in life, if you have a relationship, that always helps. If you have a warm introduction, that always helps. Um, you know, but it also comes down to what their need is and if you can meet their need and all, all of these different factors. Like relationships are always are always queen because yes. Um, <laughs> so that's always what gets those first conversations going and what can help you kind of jump, jump over some of the hoops as opposed to having to go through all of them. But going through the hoops is also how I got most of my jobs after her. So that was one of the, the amazing things is, is Lynn was my editor and, and she, you know, I got assignments for a while and like the living was good because I didn't have to come up with ideas. She just gave them to me. And I was like, this is great. And then a few months in, she's like, so now you have to pitch. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, well. um, new skill, new pitched, skill. <laughs> right. And I pitched my first idea and she declined it. And I was like, but you made me do this. I mean, my inner child had such a temper tantrum. Um, but that taught me, you know, then we really explored, like, why was it rejected? Why didn't that work? How do you actually come up with good ideas? How do you pitch these? So she, every time I got comfortable, she pushed me out of my comfort zone. And, and that was, it was great because that was how I learned how to do this stuff. Because a little while later, she was like, okay, now you're going to pitch another publication. And I was like, but I don't want to pitch another publication. Like I'm, I'm perfectly happy doing this. And, you know, she would not let me rest on my laurels. So I didn't like the way the last one went, I'm not sure I want to play this game anymore. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds a lot like you're baiting me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, and that's the thing, like over time, my skin is like elephant skin. You reject, you reject an article idea from me. I, it does not even phase me because that's, because that was part of it. And, and when I, I attempted for a while to actually be a full-time freelance writer, God bless those people. Like it is not for me because it's just so much of the work to do the pitches, to constantly follow up, to do all of that. And the, the pay these days, you know, when I started, you could reliably get like a buck 50 a word that doesn't happen anymore. So 
you know, it was just one of those things that I just kept when I tried doing that, it just ended up being like, okay, this, this is not for me. So how do I do this in a way that actually does work for me? Okay. We will definitely get into the pitches and a whole lot more of your current strengths in a bit, but I want to go back to those early days because I'm thinking that's fascinating to write an article about. So you're writing an article, which is visual, but it's word visual Mm -hmm. about something that is color visual and creative and up to interpretation and bias and a whole lot of other things. So to me, <laughs> there's, a, there's huge chasm in between the two that you get to fill, but that seems like a huge chasm to fill, to be able to go from something so organic and creative and up to interpretation to putting it into linear words, one after the other, in order to kind of essentially recreate or entice somebody to go out and see this. Yeah. Yeah. And so much of it you know, how you structure an article, there's, there is a basic structure of articles and it's pretty much the same across the board. And then every publication has its own like little mini spin on it. And then there's a whole bunch of arguments about, you know, whether a nut graph is something that we really need or not, but that gets into like the nerdy weeds of journalism. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What is a nut graph? (laughs) A nut graph is usually, so in journalistic parlance, you have, you have the head, which is the title the deck, which is the subtitle, and then you have the nut graph. And that is the first paragraph that basically tells the reader what they should expect. And, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of nerdy arguments about whether it's even necessary and how it should be structured and blah, blah, blah. Um, in the online writing world, which is where so much of this all comes in now, a nut graph is even more important because you have like 10 seconds of somebody's time. And if they're like they're saying yes or no to even skimming it. Like if they actually read the whole thing, that's a minor miracle. But, um, (laughs) you know, even having them click enough so that they skim the entire article, you have to let them know what you're going to be talking about so they know whether it's going to waste their time or whether it's not going to waste their time. I can't tell you how much issue I had with that concept for so long because I'm like, I don't want to do that. Like people aren't idiots. They can figure it out. And it's like, yeah. no, it's not about that. <laughs> they have yeah. attention span of an app and you've got to feed it. But more importantly, you have to create a frame of reference so that they understand. So I was trained by Bob Proctor to do public speaking when I did public speaking. And he always said, tell them what you're going to say, tell them what you told them you're going to say, and then tell them what you told them. <laughs> Blam like, bingo. Really? Do I that, have to? Do yep. I have? Yes, yes, you do. <laughs> Same thing happened in podcasts, right? And you yep. listening to this right now, probably listen to the first 30 seconds when is this going to be interesting enough to maintain my attention? And then you do it. So the same holds true for a online course, the same holds true for an email, the same holds true for an everything. Yeah. Yeah. And that is the basics of it. Like we have a bunch of names for all of these different bits and bobs and pieces and techniques that you can make. <laughs> Nut graphics. Do, right. I'm sorry, but I'm Nut never going to forget that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and different things that help bring the reader along so that their eyes keep going down. But at the end of the day, it's tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, then tell them what you told them. Well, that's said- it. <laughs> oh yay now we can all write publicity <laughs> not so much there's a few little more nuggets and and under that one so talk to me about this whole pitches because i think of pitch like i think of you know dragon's den or shark tank when when you think pitch what's going on for you and how does that um translate 
Yeah. So, you know, as an editor, as a freelance writer, I pitch a lot. As an editor, I have to get pitches and go through them. And, you know, so when I think of a pitch, one of the things that I always remind people is that if you're pitching a publication, you're pitching an editor who works for that publication. It is not their publication. They don't care if you think it's like the coolest, keenest thing since sliced bread. They don't care if you love it. They don't care. They don't want you to get chummy and try to be funny. Humor writing is really hard. And if you start a pitch trying to be funny, I have to go through a hundred of them and narrow it down to 10. And I have about 90 minutes tops. As soon as you do something that's like off the point, you're out because I don't have time. So it's really in the writing world. It really is get to the point about what you want to write about. Also get to the point about why I should listen to you. So it's in the pitch that you get to be that braggadocious jerk at the party who is talking about themselves ad nauseum and name dropping. In the pitch, you want to do that because even if it's a warm pitch, you know, oh gosh, this person came and it's, it's you know, Sally's friend, Joe. Oh God, you know, well, Joe could be a dimwit. Like I, we don't know yet. So you have to really prove, here's my social proof. This is why I know what I'm talking about. This is what I'm going to write about. It's of interest to your readers because the editor cares about really two things. Are you going to write something that my readers care about? And are you going to be a pain in the ass to work with? <laughs> so right. it's also showing some, some writing samples. And that's the big thing with the writing samples is if I see them, if I am interested, then I look at the writing samples and it's like, oh, okay, this person gets it. They know how to structure an article, how to write for the online world. If it's awful, or if you misspelled my name or <laughs> any of those right. other things, don't give me an easy reason to put you in the no pile because I'm doing a super quick sort. Yes, no, maybe. And if you get in the no pile, you're, you're done. And it was on a nanosecond. Right. This is all reminiscent of when I used to take in resumes and we'd get like a hundred resumes in and we, by the end of the week had to have three interviews. So yeah. it was like the first ones to go was anybody that put the company name on their resume and spelt it wrong. It was like, foom, nope. foom, foom, foom. <laughs> you would be yep. amazed how many, I'm like, don't put our name on your resume. unless you know how to copy and paste it or spell it right. Like that was just mind boggling <laughs> yeah. to me. And then the other ones were like, if they were applying for a job that wasn't the job that they had applied for. So yes. if they put a tech resume into a creative it's like, why would you do that? And there's so much of that. Like most of the pitches that I reject are things that I'm like, do you have any idea what this publication is about? Did, right. did you, did you even like take a passing glance? Um, it, it's yeah. like putting the same article into the Rolling Stones magazine as in entrepreneur. And it's like, right. Hmm, <laughs> no, <laughs> one of these things is not, not like, like the other. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't mean you can't write for both, but they are not the same. Like, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So say when somebody is, say they have the wherewithal to go, okay, I want to get into certain publications and I want to go and they're going, okay, what don't I do? What do I do? Um, mm -hmm. What do you want them to have done before they call you, I guess is. <laughs> so, you know, really, I guess what I want them to have done before they call me, know what you want to be known for. 
if you're all over the map, I do this and I do this and I do this and I do this. Like, I can do anything for anybody. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Like that's just, no, um, <laughs> you, you have to know and be specific about what your area of expertise is. Why do you want to do this? Are you writing articles for publication because somebody told you you should write articles for publication? Because that's the worst reason in the world to do anything for your business. Um, you know, it's right. sort of like, it's sort of like when Clubhouse came out and everybody was like, oh, I have to be on Clubhouse. Like that lasted a hot second. I don't even know <laughs> if it's really a thing anymore. So thinking about why it is that you want to do this, what you want to accomplish, what your goals are, um, having, having expertise enough so that you've got the receipts. You can't just say I'm an expert. There, there's a lot in the online business world that's sort of like, you just have to be one chapter ahead of your people. No, <laughs> like not if you're going to be writing about it. I mean, I, I guess you could, but that's, those are not my people. Um, have that depth of experience and expertise so that you really have something that you want to share and want to get out there and know who your folks are. Because all of those also set up great filters because you may think you know what publication you want to write for, and it may not be the publication that you want to write for. Right. And one of some of the reasons why, you know, let, just, I don't know, make it easier on yourself, pick any industry of why one versus another. Yeah. So every publication has different guidelines. And for example, if one of your goals with your writing is to profile or interview other experts or profile your clients or do something along those lines. Some publications let you do that, some don't. So for example, Inc. is perfectly happy to have you interview other people and profile them in your column. Entrepreneur is not, they don't let you do that. You can quote a household name, depends on the household, but you can quote a household name, but you can't actually interview and profile somebody else. So if that's part of your goal, that sets up a great filter and lets you know, okay, this publication's in, this publication's out. Another great filter is if you are, if you want to write in order to promote a webinar series that's coming up, for example, then you really want to write for a publication that allows you to have a bio and a link at the end of every single article. Some publications do, like Forbes allows you to have a, a bio at the end of every single article. Inc. and Entrepreneur do not. You get an author page and that has your bio, but it's not at the bottom of every single article. So it's figuring out really what your goals are and then matching the publication to those goals. And then secondarily, which is also, I guess I could say also primarily, um, which makes no sense at all. This is why I write and don't speak. Um, <laughs> but the other piece is really thinking about, does this publication match my brand? Is this a publication that I want to be affiliated with? And an easy thing there is you look at the publication, if your eyes roll, that's probably not the publication for you. And there are certain publications, every single publication has a slightly different, a slightly different voice, a different style. They choose, they choose different languages. Some of them have headlines that tend to be a little bit more clickbaity than others. So knowing which one you want to be affiliated with and doing that research also helps you narrow it down. I love that. So Part of my thinking is with everybody being turned on their head and going online, there's got to be some of the big publications that did it better than others. 
And some of them that are like, oh man, like you don't even have backlinks. Like really, (laughs) are are there, does that really matter when it comes down to it? Or is it more of who their audience is and, and your objectives, I guess, for that article? Yeah, it, it really, really depends on your objectives for the article because these publications generally don't care about your SEO. So (laughs) if you're doing it for search engine optimization, being aware that that's what you're doing it for, but that's not the only way to make these really pay off. So sometimes it's okay. You know, the, the best value of writing for publication is you get in front of a, of a new audience an already established audience, but even better than that, because the truth is you write an article for Inc. The hordes are not going to come knock down your door. It's just not going to happen. You have to then take that article and really make use of it and promote it and use it as a tool to build credibility. And that's its biggest value is, okay, now you're competing with other people for this big consulting agreement. And one of your standout things is, hey, I have a column for Inc.com. That gives you some serious street cred. And then I can go and read it. And so I get to see a little bit more about how you think. And the other two consultants aren't writing for publication. Okay, you just got a leg up. So really it's thinking about what are all of the ways that you can use this and how you can, um, how you can stack the ROI is, is a term my business coach uses regularly. So how do you take this thing and just, you know, you've already invested all of this time, energy, and effort in pitching and writing this article. Now, how can you use it again and again and again? And with most of these publications, what folks don't don't know is you can syndicate the article after a waiting period of maybe 10 to 14 days. So you can take that exact same thing, i.e. you don't have to rewrite a dang thing and put it up on your website, put it in your newsletter, put it someplace else that allows for syndicated content. So nice. Well, and another thing I see people doing is, oh, I just want to get on Oprah. And I'm like, no, you don't, because you have no idea how you will die if you do that right now. Not saying (laughs) it's not a good goal, just saying not right now. So is there a time when it just doesn't make sense to go to the Inc. and Entrepreneur and it makes sense to go somewhere else? You know, less a time and more going back to those goals again. You know, people are often, I often get approached and it's, I want to be on Harvard Business Review. Um, well, maybe you do, maybe you don't. They're a pain in the ass. So <laughs> you, you may not want to write for them and it's a one-off piece and you have to jump through a huge number of hoops. Yes, it has a ton of cachet, but that may not be the place that's going to get you the most bang for your buck. If you're really looking to build your client base, you might be better suited by a publication that nobody else really, you know, nobody outside of that industry has heard of. So I worked years ago with a consultant who was an environmental health and safety management consultant. That is a specialty. He wrote for an association and a trade journal called EHS Today. You and I have never heard of EHS Today. We're not going to read it, but everybody in his industry read those two publications. So it got him in front of those folks on a regular basis. And as a smaller boutique consulting firm who was competing against the big guys, that got him noticed. So it all goes back to exactly what your goals are. And, you know, and sometimes the goal is 
because Joe has a column here and I want to be better than Joe rock on like we can do that too <laughs> but know what the goal is so that you can you know and I would say also I'd encourage you to get beyond the one-upmanship um <laughs> but you know sometimes that can be a really good motivator because the truth is there's a lot of garbage online and there are people there are articles that we have read every day that you're like really that like that was your big the secret to blah 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 and you gave me a whole lot of nothing. And there are people who, who write garbage articles that still get published. So that can be, that's like the worthy adversary motivation, which is totally good. <laughs> that's awesome. So if somebody was to work with you, to what extent do you help them? Are you helping them write the article, frame the article, get it out there? What, what does it look like when somebody is working with you? Yeah. So, um, most of my clients go through one of my two programs, which really basically go through that entire process of how do you pick the right publication? Um, how do you, how do you pitch the right publication? How do you write that first article? Um, you know, depending on the client, it is as hands-on as it needs to be. All of my, my group programs are also are very small intentionally. Uh, so I have a cap of 10 folks, which means that I can get invested because I like I like getting nerdy and I love learning about cool stuff that I don't know anything about. Um, <laughs> so that allows me to do it. So I don't do the writing for anyone anymore. I used to do a lot of ghostwriting. I don't do that anymore. It's more teaching people how to become better writers. And then I'm often working as both a thought partner where it's like, okay, let's strategize about what, what we want to write, what you want to talk about, which publication we're going after, what the angle of this is, because each publication also has a different audience. So you may want to write something about, you know, how to ask for a raise, but if the publication is Inc., they're not talking to rank and file, they're talking to C-suite. So then you have to switch it, you know, to either how do you say no to somebody who's asking for a raise? Or how do you have a conversation with somebody who is asking for a raise? So it's figuring out the angle and then oftentimes editing the piece before it actually gets submitted for publication. So. Awesome. So what are some of the stumbling blocks that somebody might be having and they're thinking, oh my God, Erica, I need you so badly. So a couple of things. I think one of the big things that I see regularly are people don't think that their idea is good enough to be published. And that's not, most of the time they're wrong. So, Yay. you know, it, yeah, <laughs> good yeah, it's, yeah, it's one of those things where it, because it can feel intimidating. And a lot of these publications have not, you know, for their own brand purposes, have wanted to keep it to feel a little bit intimidating. So, I think some of it is okay, especially for folks who enjoy the writing process. Like if you hate writing, start a podcast. Why would you torture yourself? If you think you're not a good writer, you're also probably wrong. And there are ways to hack, even if you're not in love with writing, you know, writing is not about like, I've typed this whole thing myself like go for a walk and record it into your phone 
and then get a transcript. Blammo, you've got a shitty first draft and every Yay. first draft is shitty. So <laughs> that's the reason it's called draft. It's like the wind. Exactly. It should really go out the window. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like nobody else is going to read this. You're going to polish it up and make it pretty before then. Um, so yeah, I, I lost my own train of thought because I got on this whole thing <laughs> about good. like, if you hate doing this, don't, don't do it. There's so many ways to hack this. And with writing, it's not about the ink. It's about the think. When you think through something, so I don't care how you get the words on the page. I care that you have thought through something in a meaningful way and that you are able to convey that. So Nice. Love that. So stumbling blocks would be if somebody thinks they can't do it, what they have, even though they have clients, yeah. don't think that somebody else is doing it. And what if they think that kind of their audience doesn't read, <laughs> which I'm thinking is probably a big and that's, thing right that's now. And that's common. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily matter that you've picked the publication that your audience reads. If they know about it and respect it. And you can say, oh, I write for this publication and bring the receipts. They may not read anything you write, who cares? If it got you the credibility to come through the door, that's what matters. If you you know, use the publication, you write something and you say, oh, okay, now I've had this great conversation with a prospective client and they ask this question, guess what? I wrote about that for Inc. Then you get to send them a link to the article. And that does two things. It answers a question that they had and shows your perspective on that. And it builds credibility. So they don't have to be avid readers of any of these publications. You can still use it to show them that you have been vetted by somebody, that your ideas have been deemed worthy of being read. And if you have helped anybody in your business, if you have a business that has made any money because you have helped people, you have something of value to share. So we often have this really high bar where it's like, oh, well, I couldn't possibly write for that publication because what does little old me have to share? Well, you have your voice, your experience, your expertise, and your take on something, which is going to be different from other people's take, especially if you can go on a little rant and rave my favorite thing to do. Um, that's another way to say, okay, here, my point of view is different and here's why. I love that. So I'm assuming once you have an article printed, if they allow the syndications, you're allowed to put their logo on your website kind of thing. I'm assuming you could even possibly yeah. put their logo on the website, even if it's not syndicated, but you put a link back to their page. Uh, even without the, you can link back to their page. So even if they don't allow syndication, you can pop that logo right on your website and you can link back to your article or their homepage or your author page on their website. That's nice. absolutely okay. They just don't, if, you, if you're not allowed to syndicate, it just means you can't take that exact same article and publish it word for word someplace else. Awesome. I, I don't think I've ever actually looked at whether or not I can click on those links on people's pages. I assume they just put them up there and it's like, hopefully they, they link back um, <laughs> <laughs> just because it, it just adds a little extra. If I click on it and I come to your author page, it's like, oh, okay, this is legit. This isn't just, you know, because there are a lot of tricks that people use to get those things. And it's like, okay, you did a you know, you did a press release and it got picked up by CN, CNBC. 
uh, okay. Like that doesn't mean very much to me, but you write an article and it's published on Inc and it has your byline. That makes a difference to me. Nice. And I would assume that makes a difference to a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and is, does it add kind of fortitude to somebody to be able to not only write one article or, you know, get, you know, six months, I'm going to spend my time getting publicized and then they stop. Does it help to kind of keep those going and, and continue to publish? You know, I think it does because I am very biased towards writing. Um, so, and here's, here's why I think it does. I think as you start writing about your area of expertise more and more and more, you start to realize that no matter how narrow your niche is, it is deep and you can go deeper and deeper and deeper with every piece. So what I often find is, is folks may have a hard time with, okay, here are like my first few ideas and then aren't quite sure what else to write. But once you get past that first like bump, then you never have a lack of ideas. It's just, it's it like idea pollution. It gets, it, yes. <laughs> oh, the angels sing from high. It does, it does get easier because suddenly you see all of these other intricacies and you can get a little deeper into a very small piece. And it becomes more and more fascinating the more the more you write about it or the more you explore it. So it doesn't have to be writing. That just happens to be my bias. Um, but the more you explore a thing, the deeper you realize it goes and the more connections you start to see and how they all interconnect. And that, that just gives a richness to it that that's the exciting stuff. Like surface stuff, great. We all need some surface stuff every once in a while, but the deeper you can take it, suddenly it starts to, to, really elevate you as an authority, as somebody who really knows what they're talking about, because everybody can give you five productivity tips to do in blah, blah, blah. Fine. That's great. We all read them. We all need them, blah, blah, blah. But kind of who cares? Because those are a dime a dozen. If you can get beyond that to a next level and say something that not everybody and their brother is saying, that kind of goes a little bit further, that lets you stand out and say, okay, this is somebody who truly is an expert in this area. Nice. Love that. So I know our <laughs> listeners are going to want more from you because they're going to go, Hey, how do I know that? Where do I go? <laughs> they're going to have 10 million questions like I did when I first met you. So how did they start their journey with you? Yeah. So, um, Every month on the second Wednesday of each month, I do, I host Pitch to Published. It's a, it's a free come as you are when you want. I always have about 10 minutes of, of learning where I teach something that's related to this. And then I open the floor to questions and I do my best to answer them. So um, uh, on my website, it's catchlinecommunications.com backslash P to P and you can sign up. And it's every single month. So you can come when you want to, you don't have to come when you don't want to. And it gives you a good sense of, you know, there are some folks out there who they just, if they just need a push in the right direction, great, come to that. If I can give you a push and solve the problem in a free Q and A rock on, just like, make sure you tell me that you got published someplace afterwards. Cause I want to celebrate with you. Um, <laughs> so, and my website is catchlinecommunications.com. So that's a great place to 
see all the things that I do. I break a lot of rules. So all of my prices are listed. Um, <gasps> I know it's shocking. And then connect with me on LinkedIn because I'm very active on that is my one and only social media platform. And I always love to connect with other folks, uh, especially if you're looking to do some more writing, whether it's for publication or just because you like to talk writing, because I could talk about this all day long. Nice. I love it. So we'll go and check out catchlinecommunications.com and go to the P2P. So I have to ask you, Erica, at what point in life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? Oh gosh, that's such a good question. Um, early on. So I, my first my first entrepreneurial venture, I grew up on a farm. My sister and I would sit at the end of the, our driveway and sell corn and tomatoes and pumpkins. That put awesome. me through most of college. Um, and I was just a little bit of a thing. I mean, this was, let's see, by the time we moved to my grandfather's farm, I was in fourth grade. So in fourth grade, I was selling corn and pumpkins. Before that, we had, my grandfather had a maple sugaring operation and I was the self-appointed tour guide who would take people all through, make them taste some sap, rock out my little factoids. You know, it's 40 gallons of sap to a gallon of syrup. And that was sort of my first, my first experience. Oh, that's oh it's awesome. been a minute. That's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> so people would just go to buy stuff and you're like, hey, you want to take the tour? Were you charging them? No, I would just, I, I would just be like, oh yeah, you can see how it's made. And then I'd like go through the whole thing. Cause my, my grandfather was an amazing, he was a great showman. So you know, he would be at the evaporator and talk about how maple syrup is made. But then, then he, he was also my enabler. Cause then he'd be like, oh, my granddaughter can, you know, show you the tree because <laughs> that's that you're just seeing the sap in the evaporator and a whole lot of steam. Um, but then we could go up to the tree. I could show them how it's tapped. I could, you know, have people taste sap because they're familiar with syrup, but haven't tasted that. So, <laughs> oh my God, that's so cute. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. Awesome. Erica, you have been fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And I know how valuable it is. Any last words for our peeps? Write anything, start a writing practice. This is my, this is probably my thing that I am most evangelical about. <laughs> writing is a muscle. If you want to improve your writing, sit down for 10 minutes every day and do a free writing exercise. I don't care what the prompt is, pen, paper, and just write and don't stop yourself and don't edit. And it doesn't matter what comes out on the page because it's getting your thoughts there and you'll start seeing ideas that connect. And along those same lines, read and listen and watch, but do all of those actively. So if you're listening to a podcast and something, something somebody says resonates with you, write it down and write down why, because the world is full of information. What we're lacking is insights. And the more you can expose yourself to these different ideas and something can spark an idea in you, if it excites you, write it down and write down why or record it, like whatever your little heart desires, but capture it. Love it. You're awesome. Thank you again, Erica. <laughs> it was such a pleasure, Michelle. Thank you. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show and join our Facebook group, Business Ownership Secrets to Scaling. We'd love to connect with you and help you grow. 
Are you running a business over seven figures but still struggling with technology headaches? Pay attention. You do not want to miss this offer. This podcast episode is brought to you by Awareness Strategies, who is offering a custom-built digital adoption roadmap for anyone running a business over seven figures who's wanting to grow their business in the next five years. And it's not just a roadmap. They offer full implementation as well. If that scares the out of you, check out awarenessstrategies.com forward slash roadmap for more details today. The link's in the show's notes. Don't regret not doing this. Do it now. That's awarenessstrategies.com slash roadmap.